Amen. Wasn't it good to see Dr. Estep here with us today? I do want to know and ask, though, uh, Dr. Reinhardt, would you give me a prescription for this afternoon to go home and set both my legs up where I can watch some football? <laughs> I would appreciate that. Uh, I do that anyway, but, you know, it's, we're right in the midst of a football season. It's in full swing, and, and uh, I know many of you wives uh, don't like that, but it is an opportunity for us men to put our honeydew list aside just a little bit and enjoy the season uh, of football that's around us. Uh, it brings a lot of excitement, you know, the game and, and that we enjoy to watch and the winning that take, well, most of the time. Uh, we have wins, but it, it's a time when we really realize that uh, fun and enjoyment is part of life. Uh, also, difficulties and hardships are part of life also. Because even on the playing field with football, there's oftentimes those injuries that occur and the difficulties that happen to the individual players. And when that time comes, you, you know as you look around the crowd that something difficult or something awful has just happened. People look at on those things with, with different responses. There are those who kind of go numb mentally and emotionally, and you watch their eyes just fix the glazed on the one who's injured and seems like they can't move. Uh, they're just fixated on the problem. There's others who pace back and forth as they're filled with fears and emotions of doubt and dread as to what's going to happen now. And, and so they, they're pacing, trying to work off that energy. Others even respond in such a way that uh, defies logic because they, they act like nothing's happened. You know, they go on talking to one another about dis different subjects of one kind or another, not even looking at the field as what really is going on. But for that person who has been injured, it's an altogether different story, isn't it? They are oftentimes laying on the grass field. They're there in anguish and pain, gripping that part of their body which has been injured, and either grimacing uh, over the situation or they're calling out for help or other teammates are calling out for help. But either way, you know that something difficult has happened. I watched an event like that not long ago on a professional game that I was watching, and the player was there. And as the doctors and the trainers were all coming to his aid, everyone for the next five or ten minutes was fixated on the problem, on the injury, and what it might mean to the teams, what it might mean to the game. Five or ten minutes went by, it seemed like, and, and to the praise of God, the team man, uh, person was able to get up. He was limping off the field, and everyone in the crowd cheered. And as if to say, I'm okay, he waved his hand to the crowd, and everyone was energized by that. It even seemed that, that his revival helped them to revive. All of a sudden, the teammates started having more uh, precise plays. They seemed like they were playing with more passion and energy, and, and they were more determined than ever to win. It seemed like the revival of one had encouraged the revival of all. How we today need that sort of phenomenon spiritually in our own presence in America. How we too need to see a, a revival of one that might spread to the many. Because surely as a nation and as a church and as a people, we are going through difficult days. Being weak in faith oftentimes and spiritually anemic. The young and old alike are crying out for help. And how could they not with all the things that we are facing today? Economically, we are seeing ourselves in a tailspin. But not only America, other places around the world. Likewise, when it comes to energy, we're all concerned about how we're going to get by with higher gas prices. 
We also know that families are eroding. As we see relationships that are broken due to the lack of true love experiences that should be coming their way and enjoyed by one another. And likewise, the church has not been unaffected by these things as oftentimes the edification lags behind due to apathy. The world is indeed in difficult times right now. And the downfall that we are feeling should no wonder leave us crazed and, and dazed and feeling what shall we do next. But my friends, I'm here to share with you today some good news. God is still on his throne. And God still has a plan and a purpose in all these things of life for you and I today. He is near. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. He is the God who revives the wounded soul. And he's calling you and I to look unto him in times like these. Today I want to share from you with a familiar verse from 2 Chronicles 7.14. And as you turn there in your Bibles to read with me on that verse, recognize that this is God speaking to Solomon and the people of Israel, giving them a promise of healing if they were to stray. You see, sin has a way of bringing great destruction upon a land, upon a people. And they had just gotten through, if you will, dedicating the temple that Solomon had built. The one that David had planned for so long. And they had just gotten through dedicating this temple unto the Lord. And his Shekinah glory had filled the place. And yet God knew the future and knew that there would be difficult days. And he gives them this promise that if they were astray. And if their land were to be affected because of the, the sinfulness and because of looking to other gods. And he says unto them in verse 14 of Second Chronicles chapter 7. And my people who are called by my name. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Father God, I pray that today as we open your word of life, that your spirit may move among us, that you may guide and direct our hearts and minds with wisdom and understanding. And Lord, that you may indeed bring revival into our midst even today, the wounds that we have encountered throughout the days of difficulty. Lord, bless, I pray, for your glory and build up these, your people, as we come in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read these words of the Lord, we must recognize that real revival demands real requirements. You see, it just doesn't come by itself. But there are things that God tells us, tells you and I, that if we were to do, good things will happen. Better days will come. Healing to the wounds in which we have been afflicted by will occur. It doesn't take much to look around at our country today and to our nation to see that our communities and our culture is in need of great healing. We indeed have been wounded. Immorality has touched our side. Dishonesty and pride and deceit. And unfortunately, the church has not fared much better as we too find things happening in our own midst. We are to be the source of light unto the world, yet in the shadows of darkness we find it overcovering our willingness of, to, to reign in righteousness. Oh, my friends, how today you and I need to ask ourselves, what must we do? What are the requirements that we must meet in order to see the blessings of God and the healing and reviving of God to pour out upon our souls? Well, God gives us great direction here application that we can put into practice. And he tells you and I, if there is to be real revival, there needs to be a call to a position, to a position of humility. Humility for you and I speaks of the word of pride in our lives that come about. Now, I know that no one here has a, an issue or a problem with pride. 
We all find ourselves being so humble, but God wants to humble us even more. Pride speaks to the heart issue of one being swelled up or risen up, much like a gamecock. Did I say that? I didn't mean that. (laughs) Much like a rooster who stands tall and his chest is filled with pride of being the one who is going to walk out into that barnyard and he is in control. Pride says, I can make it on my own. I know what's best. I'm going to call the shots in my life. No one needs to tell me what to do. God is not on the throne of my life. Pride says, you pray and I'll plan. Pride says, I like talking to myself because I always get the right answers. Pride, you see, speaks solely of myself, of yourself. Pride tends to leave God out. But that's exactly the attitude that gets us into so much trouble, isn't it? We hear the writer of Proverbs in chapter 16, verse 8 say, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. But you see, that's man's way. We think that we're able to figure everything out. We can, we can solve every problem. We can just do it if we try hard enough. But the fact of the matter is, God has a better plan. God has a better plan for you and I. And He reveals to us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, If we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety upon Him because He cares for you. You see, humility speaks of us coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It it speaks of coming under the authority and the leadership of God. It speaks to us bowing the knee before the one who is Lord indeed. Jesus is Lord, is He not? Christian Jesus is Lord. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Lord Himself reveals, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You and I have a God who reigns sovereignly over all the earth. And although we may find ourselves in difficult times, although we may find ourselves facing difficulty and even wounds from our own misgivings, oh, my friends, God is more able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we can ask or think. And we should lay our lives down before Him today, humbling ourselves, recognizing that as He comes upon our life with leadership, we will know good things will come our way. We're called to a position of humility, coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're also called to prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Prayer, in essence, indeed is humility in action. God has called us to be a people who will pray. And and when we pray, we're recognizing our inabilities and His ability. God has called us to be a people who fill his, His house with Prayers, lifting ourselves up before Him, recognizing, God, if you don't help us, we won't be helped. May I say to many of you, thank you for the prayers that you give on behalf of this church, on behalf of our communities, on behalf of our nation. I know that you pray. And we have people, we have groups here at First Baptist Church that meet throughout the week, different days of the week. And they're praying for revival. They're praying that God would touch the congregation of this church. 
with a desire to know Him and to serve Him and, and to glorify Him with all that we are. But even with those prayers, my friend, may I tell you today, we need to be more in prayer. We need to be more intense in our prayers. We need to be more given to prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul writes and says to us, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, I don't advise you to go home driving down Broad River Road this afternoon, bowing your head and closing your eyes. That would not be a good situation. But I do pray that you would understand the mindset, the attitude of this verse. And that is that in all of our days, in all of our time, you and I would carry about with us an attitude of prayer. An attitude that we must look unto God who will meet our needs. We must trust in the Lord, our Savior, to guide and direct us and to provide for us. So we are to come together with an attitude of prayer all the time. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 and says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Christian, let me ask you today, how's your prayer life? Do you find trouble spending time with God? Do you find it hard to lift up and, and vocalize the needs of your heart? Do you find yourself being filled with thoughts and anxiousness about needing to go rush to do this or rushing to do that? And, and, and you just can't be still before God and let your heart be poured out before Him? God has called us to a life of prayer. He's called us to seek after Him in prayer. And James chapter 4 reveals to us, you have not because you ask not. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You see, prayer is not about getting God to cooperate with us. It's about us coming to learn what His will is and coming alongside to accomplish it. You and I need to spend more time in prayer than we ever have in our life because prayer indicates that humility that we are putting ourselves in before Almighty God. God, I need you. God, I want you involved with my life. We are called to a position of humility. If we are to see revival, if we are to see restoration, if we are to see wholeness in our life, God has called us to a position of humility. He's also called us, my friend, to be a people of prayer. His house is to be the house of prayer. And He's called us also to a life of passion. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. How often do you find yourself seeking the face of God? To seek Him means that we are to search out Him with any method, especially by prayer and worship. But we're to seek after God by any method that comes our way. We're to seek His face, which means we are to seek His countenance. We're to seek His presence, His direction in our lives. This little phrase is... A call for God's people to stop looking everywhere for help and, and guidance and begin to look to Him. You see, oftentimes we want to look to Wall Street or we want to, to look to our jobs or we want to look to this or that or the other for the answers. But God is the only one who knows the plans that He has for you. And God is the one who has provisions for your life. Why do we look to this and that and the other all the time seeking to put our securities there? When our security can only truly be found in Him. 
You see, revival doesn't come from a people who seek revival. Revival comes to a people who seek after God. Who seek after Him and want to love Him and understand that He is all we need. He is all we need. If I had to ask you to be totally honest with me today, what would you say your number one priority is in life? Would it be your family? Would it be your friends? Would it be your job? Would it be the hobbies that you enjoy? Would it be your bank account? Or would it be the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, Jesus is to be first and foremost in our life in everything. He is God. He is on the throne. He is sovereign over all things. And my friends, our lives and the blessing of our lives flows from Him. God is to be first and foremost Priority number one. He is to be number one on our Fab Five list. He is to be number one on on our speed dials, on our telephone. God is to be number one in all things. If you're not real sure what your priorities are, just look around at, at where you spend your money, where you spend your time. What kind of thoughts run through your mind? Oh, my friends, these things are indicators to us about what our priorities are. Just ask yourself, where does God fit into the equation of my life? Where does God fit into the priorities of my life? Do you wake up in the morning saying, good Lord, it's morning? Or do you say, good morning, Lord? Oh, my friends, our attitude is everything. Our priorities are important. And you and I have been called to have a passion to seek after God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. Make no mistake about it. Misplaced priorities are the enemy of revival. Did you hear me? Misplaced priorities are the enemy of revival. It is what hinders the enjoyment of the abundant life that Jesus Christ died to offer each one of us. Christian God has called us to devote ourselves wholly and completely and entirely to Him. And to seek after Him with all our heart. Lastly... We are also called to a life of purity. Repentance. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. This is self-explanatory. We are to repent from sin and to keep on repenting. We are to turn away from evil and to continue to turn away from evil. Oh, my friends, it's not a request, it's a command And our God demands holiness from our lives because He is holy. We have been saved by grace, and aren't you glad? But that grace never gives us license to live in sin. It's easy to see the hypocrisy of our own nation as we recognize the problems that go about. Money is tight, and so we want money for more schools, so we legalize gambling in our state. We need to stop teenage pregnancies, and so we give out condoms and we put up abortion clinics. We want to balance our budget, but we're not willing to to curtail our spending and spend only that which we have. We want to stop the spreads of AIDS, but we, we promote safe sex. Is it any wonder we're in the problems that we face? Is it any wonder? Should I go on? I know we could put a list together that continues to to reveal the negativism that has happened in our nation and in our world. But my friends, the church is no much better. 
Oh, we find the grace of the Lord here. But even in our midst, we find ourselves being uh, divided and, and divisive. We find ourselves lying and cheating. We find ourselves defrauding our brother and sister and committing adultery and, and seeking divorce and all these things that bring destruction to the fellowship of saints and our relationship with God. Oh, how we need revival in our own midst today. And my friend, God offers to us through repentance an opportunity to find cleansing and healing from those wounds in which sin brings our way. Make no mistake about it. We reap what we sow. But with revival, with real revival, we find real rewards. Oh, my friends, the Word of God is clear. When we humble ourselves before Him, when we pray, when we seek His face and we turn from our wicked ways, the Word of God says He will hear us. I will hear you. And you know, I'm ever amazed at Christians that I run into who are asking uh, why God is not answering their prayer, and yet they continue to live in sinful behaviors. The Word of God tells us in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear However, when sin is taken care of through repentance and confession, oh, my friends, there's nothing better, there's nothing stronger than the unhindered prayer life between a person and their God. The throne of God easily forced, uh, flows forth grace to us, and we're able to find healing for the times of other wounds that we are inflicting upon ourselves or one another. We're able to find God's strength in the midst of weakness. We're able to find clarity when things seem to be so confused. And it's when we repent of our sins, when we recognize that we need to turn and walk in holiness and seek after His path for our lives, that we will find that healing. God will hear our prayers. James 5, verse 16 says, The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. God will hear us. And when He hears us, my friends, we know that He will answer and bless us. God will hear us. He will also help us. I will hear and I will forgive. Oh, my friends, there's no greater blessing in all the world, no greater healing than all the world to know that through repentance and confession, God heals us and restores us and allows us to walk strong with Him. Not being afraid of what may come, not being a, a fearful of what has happened, but only knowing the goodness of God, knowing the healing and the refreshing of His presence. And with Him comes healing. He promises that healing here to the nation of Israel. He promises that He will heal their land. Now, that promise is not necessarily given to America, but it is given to you and I. He will heal us when we look to Him and Him alone. When we trust Him to cleanse us as we repent from our sins. As we come to Him in confession and say unto Him, Oh God, You are the only one who is important in my life. Help me to glorify You. He says, I will heal and I will restore. You see, real revival yields real results. And that's what I'm looking for. I don't know about you. I'm looking for real results. When I work hard and when I give myself to, to do what I know is right, I want to see good things happen, don't you? I want to see good things happen. And our God who sits on the throne says, if you will follow me, if you'll look to me, if you will turn away from your wicked ways, if you will repent from your sin, if you will pray unto me. And my friends, if we will do those things, he says to us, I will heal your land. I will bring days of refreshing to your life. To grow again. To experience his grace again. To know of the knowledge and the power and the strength that only our God can provide. 
It starts with humility. And it continues on through prayer and passion to seek after God and repentance. Knowing that through our giving of ourselves to these things, God Almighty will bless. How can He not? Because He is faithful. I know there's many of you here today who have been wounded by one thing or another in life. And we're, we're, we're all on the, on the playing field of life. And we all come across wounds of one sort or another because of this that may happen or that that may happen. And like that player on the ball field who's grimacing with pain, we need to be waving unto our God to come. Come, Lord Jesus. Heal me. Help me. Revive my spirit. Revive my soul. But in so doing, I may encourage others. Do you recognize today, Christian, that, that through your own revival, through that singular desire to know God and to walk with God in holiness, that there is an opportunity for you to inspire others to be revived? And oh, how it needs to spread today. Oh, how it needs to be experienced today. For a time such as this has not come our way in many years. And now it is upon us to know that He is God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Do you believe that today? Christian, do you believe that today? I'm not hearing an amen. I asked that question wanting an answer. You see, we need to believe that with all of our hearts. Jesus died on the cross that we might experience abundance of life. And even though we may find ourselves being wounded from time to time, He is there to restore. He is there to heal. He is there to give us power beyond our wildest understanding. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, May I say to you that He also gives you an invitation as well? In Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says these words, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. Today is a wonderful opportunity to see revival start. Amen? Today is a wonderful opportunity for you and I to know the healing and the wholeness that Jesus Christ can bring to one's life. No matter where you are today, no matter what wound you may have suffered, my friends, Jesus is the answer. Will you give yourself to Him? Will you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Will you give yourself to be a person of prayer, passionately seeking after Him with all your heart? Knowing that as we repent from our sins and look to this holy God, He will make a way. Father, as we pray today, by Your Spirit, Lord, we pray that You would touch the hearts and minds of each one here. That we may recognize the calling that You are placing upon us to look to You and You alone in such times as these. Lord, heal our wounded heart. Revive our souls that we may indeed shine as a bright light of glory into your name. Thank you for this time of worship. 
Thank you for the movement of your spirit. Now and may we obey the, the moving that you're placing on of our lives to make decisions. May we seek you, Lord Jesus, and you alone. For we ask this to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you've been wounded, and we all have, in one manner or another, know that this invitation is for you. You don't have to come down, but if you do, there'll be others here from the staff to pray with you, to encourage you, to share God's Word with you. If you need a church home where you can be edified and built up, we pray that you consider doing that. But above all, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never repented of your sin and recognized that through Christ and Christ alone is their salvation, don't hesitate. For no man knows what tomorrow holds. But salvation is now for those who believe. As the choir sings, as the Spirit of God moves, the staff will be here to greet you. And pray that God will bless.